what if, what if it was somewhere that you actually wanted to go? You spent all of these years, like 15 years of your life. That's a long time in a place that you loved being inside of. What power and potential This is Irregular People. I'm your host, Calvin Marty, and in this very first episode of the podcast, I talk with two Chicago art teachers and artists, Casey Murtaugh and Miriam Dolnick. On July 22nd, 2020, when we recorded the conversation, school districts across America were battling to open in the fall, despite the still raging pandemic, and teachers unions around the country were battling back. And I wanted to hear from those on the front lines that were being asked to risk their lives and the lives of others to teach our children face-to-face. Casey is my cousin, which is why I reached out to her, and Miriam is a fellow teacher at the Nicholas Sen High School. They are dedicated teachers who want to teach in person. They believe in its importance, but they're scared. So in this episode, these two thoughtful Chicago teachers tell me about the challenges of online teaching, why in-person teacher-student relationships matter, and why that's still not enough to change their minds. I really loved hearing about what Casey and Miriam think school could be. They want us to imagine a learning environment that really invites kids, draws kids in, a place in which today's young generation wants to be. So what might that look like? We also talk about how stressful teaching can be, how both women find the outdoors and hot yoga life-saving remedies, uh, collaboration and community, and the difficulties of balancing their own work as artists with the demands of their jobs. Things have changed very quickly. After energized feedback from parents and students and threats of strike from teachers unions, Chicago schools and others around the nation have decided to go with full remote learning. So here's a peek into the minds of two of the teachers who worked to make that happen and why. This conversation was really enlightening and entertaining for me, and I think it will be for you as well. We have some good laughs, too. Let me introduce you to Casey Murtaugh and Miriam Dolnick. Casey, Miriam, welcome to Irregular People. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Um, You were just... uh, in our little preamble there, Casey, we're about to say you've been doing a lot of Zooming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about, or not thinking about, but just realizing that that's sort of just the only way we've been meeting with people for quite some time now. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been almost five months, almost. That's incredible to think about. Yeah. And before that, I had never, I mean, for the, I can, now I'm thinking back to the first Zoom, like, happy hour thing that we did with, with work people. Do you remember that, Miriam? Yeah, I do. And I did, I couldn't, like, say one word, that, like, no words came out of my mouth. I was just watching everybody and looking at people and thinking about them looking at me, and it was just so awkward, and now I'm just so used to it, but. Yeah, it's definitely a part of our lives in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, we're not used to staring at someone's face the whole time we talk to them. Yeah. You know? That's very true. We like Um, look off at a tree or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Or you experience like body language Mm -hmm. (laughs) that isn't just in the face, right? Right. I mean, that's like a, that's a hard part of teaching online. I feel like missing out on, Mm -hmm. 
that part of communication, it's very different. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. With students too. I mean, you in the classroom, you, I'm sure you get a lot of information from watching students body language when they don't know you're watching their body language. Right. So true. Yeah. So much of communication at school, I feel like is not like, doesn't necessarily come from instruction, right? Which is like what we're asked to do online. We're asked to like instruct and teach in a kind of a formal way. Mm-hmm. And that's just really not how I teach in general most of the time. And so it's a lot of adapting and getting used to like a very different <laughs> format. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was also going to say about that, like, and when you're in the school building, you see the students at other points throughout the day, mm. like walking through the hallway or hearing another teacher talk about what happened in their classroom or, so there's just, there's just so much more connection. Um, yeah. You might be able to say like, Hey, I, I, I saw you talking with so-and-so or this other teacher or what's going on in that class or how are you doing over there? Yeah. Or they come and see you and talk to you about what's going on. And then you have a stronger connection when they're in your class and it's just all of that is missing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think Casey and I, we, you and I both talk a lot about like teaching being entirely about relationships, (laughs) Hmm. at least for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a very different kind of relationship um, on Zoom exclusively. So, so what, uh, what has it been like for, for both of you? Maybe it's been different for each of you. Well, I would say, I mean, I kind of have a little bit of distance from it right now, which is wonderful um, as it <laughs> is summer. <laughs> um, uh Meaning just based on, so we're, I should tell the listeners it is 5.11 p.m. on July 22nd, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying you have some distance from it, meaning um, just that the school year had, you know, ended a little while ago? Yeah. So we've, okay. we've been out for a month. So I guess in my head, I'm a little bit in between like thinking about last year and preparing for this next year where there's still many, many question marks about like, what it next year is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm really grateful for in, when we started remote learning in March is kind of starting that process, having already built and put a lot of effort into building relationships with students. So yeah. it was like a shift, but I had all of this time where I got you know, we had really gotten to know each other in real life and had real live relationships that were just shifting to being um, sort of um, being written, like in terms of writing to each other, writing feedback, writing emails. Um, So, but in thinking about next year, you know, and we don't know, I mean, right now we're being told that we're going to be in the classroom, but CTU Chicago Teachers Union is pushing back on that really hard right now um, and pushing to work remotely. And there's a chance, you know, a lot of big cities are shifting to to starting remotely in the fall. So it's going to be a really, really, really different experience to kind of begin a school year not knowing 
students and meeting them in this context is going to be really, I mean, I I kind of can't even imagine it, to be honest. Yeah, I hadn't considered that at all, that aspect of trying to build a a student-teacher relationship with a new student you'd never met. I hadn't even considered the ones that ha- like are just getting into high school now. Yeah. Yeah. So I did I did go through the Chicago Teachers Union's um, kind of statement, the whole same storm, different boats, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I love same storm, different boats. I feel like it really <laughs> it, it could be applied to a lot of things that are happening. in this country um but they kind of based it off of uh los angeles right uh i don't know i don't know um like where they you know who they were looking towards as models um i don't know do you know casey i don't know except all all i know is that la had already decided that they were or that their teachers union was fighting the same fight so i'm not sure sure (laughs) And uh, Casey, you said a few days ago that right now Chicago schools are looking toward a hybrid system. Yeah, so they're proposing that. um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's so confusing. But so um, basically juniors and seniors would not go to school at all. They'd be 100% remote, Uh um, which is really complicated for many reasons. Um, But uh, certain teachers only teach juniors and seniors, other teachers teach underclassmen. So it's just, it's just, I don't know if that is confusing to me, but, and then the freshmen and sophomore students would be split into two groups, um, and would come to school, like group, say it's group A and group B, group A would come to school Monday and Tuesday no one comes to school on Wednesday. We all do remote learning from home. And then group B comes to school on Thursday and Friday. Hmm. And the kids are going to be like in pods of no more than 15. Um, Which is just really confusing and complicated for a high school, um, especially when thinking about, so we're art teachers. So um, we're, I don't know where we will fall in that. I don't know how that will work. And then, really haven't been any answers yeah. okay. because they don't know probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering about the art, how art would fit into that because, um, Janice Jackson, the chief executive officer of Chicago public schools said on, on Chicago tonight, I think that, uh, students would be in sort of one class the whole time, right. right. Not, not moving around. Yeah. So Which how, I can how see does working. That... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just, you know, to your point, how does that work for art? Yeah, no. it, it, doesn't. <laughs> it, it doesn't, and it's very unclear, and there are a lot of questions and things they haven't figured out yet, but yet they're still pushing very hard to be in the classroom despite hmm. all of these unanswered questions, right? Right. Um, so in, like, in, in the CPS model, you know, or plan that got released last week, like <laughs> there's a, there's a diagram of like mm-hmm. teachers who are um, outside of the core content, right. Which is our teachers like us mm-hmm. and, and 
suggesting that maybe we would be all remote or, or potentially maybe we would go and visit all of these different pods. Um, I, whatever, whatever ends up being the reality. I mean, the, the point is there's, there's, it seems as if there's not a full clear plan at all yet. Um, and this is a, I mean, this is like, this is a plan for, being inside a school building during a pandemic, which, you know, no full plan and it's July 20th and it's, you know, it's about, it's a, it's about like keeping people safe from dying, you know? And it's like, um, it's, it's really unsettling and scary. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I really hope we it's not like August 28th before we know what we're going to be doing the following week. Right. Um, well, and um you know the the game, well the game isn't changing actually. Just the way we're we're handling it is changing, but um the numbers are changing. So who knows where we'll be in a month. Right. Right. You're, do you have a preference? Either of you? Do you have like a strong feeling of what you think the right thing to do is? Whether or not to go back? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that we should be all remote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really truly believe that. I think having a half-assed, messy, like schedule is just going to make kids confused. It's going to, it's not going to work well. It's going to be a mess. And on top of that, kids are going to get sick and teachers are going to get sick and kids come, especially from, I mean, at all, most schools, our school, especially kids are coming from all over the city and out. Some, some of them spend three hours on the CTA to get to and from school. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's not safe and it's not fair. No, I a hundred percent agree. And, and they're not, Funding it to be safe, right. right? Even if it were possible to be safe with all the money in the world, right? Thrown towards creating a safe environment. I mean, without a vaccine, even with all the money in the world, it's not going to be safe. There's still going to be risk, right? right? But even in between, like, you know, they're not being a vaccine. Like, what could we, um, you know, what could we fund or put money towards to create a safe space? And that, that, um, those resources are not part of the conversation at all, right? <laughs> you know, and, and CPS is acting as if it is. I mean, CPS is saying we've already secured this amount of masks and this, or this number of masks and this number of bottles and hand sanitizer. But like those numbers are deeply insufficient for the, you know, number of teachers and number of students. Um, yeah, I mean, Casey said it just feels like a half-assed sort of like attempt towards um, creating something that could work, and it feels very, very messy to me. Um, yeah, well, and deeply unsafe for us and students and students' families. Right. I mean, I don't understand why. You know, when the school when schools got shut down, we you know everyone talked about how. Schools are a petri dish, and even if childrens aren't ch- childrens, even if children are not um, symptomatic, they they're bringing mm-hmm. it home to their parents, grandparents, etc. Right. Um, right. And 
as far as a half-assed solution, it's falling right in line with how America's handled it in general. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but yeah, it's not surprising. But you know, if the amount of resources that are being spent on on this half-assed plan were spent on really getting good at remote learning, you know, yeah. what what might happen? And, and that's what's happening in the suburbs, like um, Stevenson High School, which our our principal, for some reason I know this, I don't know why, but she told me that she like looks to them or she's gone to their school and sat and looked at them. And I think she like holds them in high regard for whatever reason. Hmm. Anyway, they have decided to go all remote um, and set one of something that I read was that I don't know who's probably their superintendent said that um, he wants to create a place where students want to be. And he said, like, if we create some half this, half that kids are, it's, it's just going to create more instability in their lives. I I agree. It it should be, let's full on figure out how to do, not that remote learning takes the place of, you know, in school, but Right. Of course not. But, you know, you can't we we, you don't you're not going to learn well if you don't feel safe and you're not going to teach well if you don't feel safe. If everyone's psychologically high, strong and fearful and you're, you know, yelling at each other to put your mask back up, what are you going to accomplish anyway? Nothing. It's going to it's going to take the place of like we spend a lot of time telling kids to get off their cell phone, whatever. It's going to be the same thing, like put your put your mask on and then it's going to be I mean, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to work. No, I 100% agree. Like, I think being in person in this context is going to be nowhere near the experience of being in person previously. And, and yeah, we, I mean, there are still, we have students who still don't have internet access at home. We we're very lucky at our school for students to all have devices. Um, pre-pandemic they every student at our school gets a chromebook but there are many many schools where that is not the case and you know students uh entire families sharing one device to do remote learning right and that takes a lot of attention and funding and resources that um you know that that isn't that is really what we should be working on right now absolutely (laughs) Um, you know, if we want there to be access and that is, that's the biggest problem with remote learning, right? Is not everyone has access in the same way that there is access in terms of like showing up at a school building. Hmm. Um, Right. So so a lot of the, it's a, it's a lot of the same root problems that are just, you know, being shown in a different light. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, if I can just vent a little bit, we can't even get half of American adults to wear masks. I don't really know how this is going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's scary. And yeah, I haven't been in a classroom in a long time. Um, so. Do you remember the last time you were in a classroom? Actually, yeah, I think. Casey, I suppose I should say to our listeners, full disclosure, Casey Murta is my cousin. (laughs) <laughs> um, but you know, season one here of the podcast, I got to start with people I know. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about art and schools and, uh, 
and that. So contacted Casey. Anyway, um, the last time I was in a classroom was one of your classrooms, Casey, I think, visiting really? and checking it out. I think so. At Sen? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, because oh, I came yeah. to okay, a... You came to one of our art shows, and I think I took you upstairs. Yeah. Um, and I can, I mean, there's magic in the, in the space and there's magic in being in a Is it magic or is it because it's a memory, like a child? Sure. Yeah. Good point. Um, I think there is potential for magic, but yeah, I think that, I mean, what's hard about school is like, as teachers, we work very hard to create a space that feels magical, right? Mm. And create work and create cur- curriculum that feels magical and exciting to us and to students. But there are like all these constant obstacles about being in the system that we're in that makes that um, really hard sometimes. Mm. Um, whether that, you know, just a million obstacles right um and something I mean that Casey and I are talking a lot about now is with all those obstacles sort of disappearing overnight um in terms of like us no longer being in the school building (laughs) and being in this really totally different context of school how can we up the magic Mm. Right. So it's like I'm thinking of it as an opera, trying to push ourselves to think of this time, um, which is a time that, on, like, quite frankly, is a really devastating time yes. <laughs> to yes. us, to students, to students, families, like the trauma that our students are experiencing is big time, real trauma. And so thinking about like, Despite that, just and kind of looking at where we're at now and working in this really different environment, how do we like access magic, up the magic, hmm. and try to push ourselves to kind of use this experience as something, you know, to create work out of it in an exciting way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. Um everyone has had an issue with sort of holding on to the idea of getting back to the way things were as opposed to this is the reality now how do we best work within it Hmm. um and part of the reason this is going to last so long in my in my opinion is that is is that unwillingness to accept Um, and opening schools is just going to, again, lengthen, um, how long this thing is around, just like opening bars and restaurants, which was a horrible idea. We just, we just took a big step backwards. So, yeah, Yeah, I, I'm with you, Miriam, on the opportunity or rather trying to think about this as an opportunity, um, to work in a new way. And, Mm um, and maybe it's, uh, for students and learning and art maybe it's a bit of a signal like how do we how do we not only incorporate sort of remote things but how do we use them to our advantage and with art I could see that I could see a lot of things being utilized in in good ways yeah me too (laughs) um yeah I think we're 
Casey and I are trying to talk about that a lot and channel that um, just like sense of possibility as we talk about sort of the next year. So what are, what are some things you've been talking about? Well, <laughs> I think we have a brilliant idea actually. Ooh, great. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe like we could plug our, um, we have a talk coming up. I think it's August 6th. Um, anyway, we've been asked to talk a little bit about, um, where, where do we go from here? So, um, the, the UIC, um, has done a series of talks throughout the summer and this will be the third. I, it was supposed to be the final one, but I think that they might add more. Um, so the first one was, um, called like what just happened, like what the fuck and Mm -hmm. people just, um, teachers. And I think it was mostly teachers, right? Miriam. I don't know. Uh, and teaching artists. Yeah. Talked about like how they kind of finished out the year and what had, you know, what the fuck. And then the the second one, um, same, uh, teachers, teaching artists, artists talking about how they were thinking about picking up the pieces. And then we've been tasked in this third talk to think about, um, where, where do we go from here? Like, what are, what are some legit ideas and how do we move forward? So Miriam and I have been planning, I mean, loosely on the beach, um, after 7 PM. Um, so we live really close to the beach. Miriam and I live in the same building, um, right. which is a funny story um, that we can talk about after. But uh, we spend a lot of time on the beach. So we live in Rogers Park in Chicago, which is um, on the northeast side of the city. And our street dead ends into Lake Michigan, which is an amazing hmm. body of water. <laughs> um, yeah, as someone on the west side... I envy that. Yeah. 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 I just, we talk about this all the time. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. I, I don't know why I haven't lived here like since I was born. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we've been thinking a lot about the beach and we've been thinking a lot about school and um, there's a lot of kids on the beach. There's a lot mm. of learning on the beach. There's a lot of joy on the beach. Um, there's crying too, but it's, um, I don't know. There's, it's speaking of magic. It's like, there's just magical things that happen out there. Um, I, I think that the part of this sort of like thinking for us comes from, um, we kind of spent our entire school year, like lusting for this space of mm. the beach. Um, when we like drive to school, we'll, come out of the alley, circle back towards the end of the block to look at the water and then turn around and go to school. Mm-hmm. And then when we come home, <laughs> we kind of do the same thing and have like this moment with the water. And then when um, we started working from home, like all of a sudden the space was more accessible to us, right? Yeah. Like we could go and see it and be with it all the time um even while at work (laughs) Mm. and then when the summer began and this is i think a tradition for both casey and i for you know for the past four summers that we've lived on this street we like really spend 
a lot of our time just being in that space and um, getting so much joy and rest and, but also like (laughs) stimulation, like Mm. intellectual stimulation in terms of watching people and um, being with different kinds of people and physical stimulation in terms of swimming in the water and being in the sun and being in the breeze and just like really having the space play a really big role in our lives and like psyches and imaginations. Mm. Um, So in this moment when we were doing a lot of thinking about like, okay, school as we know it is gone for now at least. And maybe, maybe forever right? Mm. is how we, how we knew it. Immediately, and, hopefully, hopefully. Forever. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully forever, because it can not, it can be a really oppressive space for a lot of people. Um, and so we, not only are we, so we're being confronted with a moment where we really do have to like rethink what school is, whether intentionally or not intentionally. And in thinking about it intentionally, <laughs> we, I mean, Casey and I ended up have been asking ourselves, like, what if school Mm. were more like this space that brings us so much joy and rest and happiness and all this different kinds of stimulation, right? So what if school were more like the beach? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the whole time you you were describing it, I was thinking... That sounds like a wonderful place for an art class or any a philosophy class, a biology class, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've just been doing a lot of thinking about that, like in a in a literal way, like what if school were the beach, but also just like in a more metaphorical way, mm-hmm. like what are the things that are so special about this space and how how do those things sort of like intersect with learning and education? Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just like a starting place. (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, for some reason I keep thinking about um, Marcus Aurelius and the, and the Stoics. And I, I don't know how they learned. I know they had, uh, they had, you know, buildings, but, in my head, I have this like vision that I've totally imagined of, you know, these old school philosophies of life, you know, hanging out on a beautiful hill and teaching. Yeah, <laughs> I know that maybe um, you you weren't just speaking literally, but uh, yeah. but what what you're saying is in, I'm I'm thinking is what could what could school be? Yeah. Instead of and what you know, if I, I just keep thinking too, like this is something else we keep thinking about, like what if like from age, you know, however kids are five years old, four years old, maybe four, three, four until 18 when you're like required to go to this place. What if it was somewhere that you actually wanted to go? Mm. Yeah. And like what, what power and potential if you like, you spent all of these years, like 15 years of your life. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, 
like in a place that you loved being inside of. Yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to go, I don't have the, all the degrees that y'all have, but I have, uh, I got to get a bachelor's anyway, but I loved going to that, even though it was kind of a rundown place. I loved going to that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a courtyard we would do, you know, I, I went to acting school who knows why? Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a courtyard. We had classes out outside in the courtyard. Sometimes we'd do it outside on the sidewalk. Um, it was magical. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, I mean, it was kind of, run. you know, becoming run down. But, and maybe, again, my memory's flawed, but I do look back on it as, as, a, as a beautiful place. And it was a place I wanted to go, mm-hmm. to your point. So what do you mean by that? Or or what are there any just ideas you're throwing around about what that place could be? Or maybe is it multiple places? I think it's probably multiple places. I mean, some of the things we've been talking about is like just the importance of recognizing how um, students, different students need different things and mm. one one space and one structure does not fit, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Um, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is like, what if we, we often have um, students that show up late for whatever reason, um, you know, oftentimes it's because of they've been up all night working or taking care of someone or whatever it is, but they show up late and they don't come until third period. So they've missed you know, math and science, and now it's third period and they're just getting there. What if for that student, but coming to school first period at 8 a.m. doesn't work? Mm. So what if for that student, their schedule was different? I mean, and it's not just one student. It's I would say maybe it's like 25% of the school yeah. and they come with a different schedule. Or, I mean, it doesn't, that happens all the time in workplaces. Why can't we make that work for for school? And I I think we can. I just think it will take a lot of thinking and planning and, um, but I think it's worth thinking about. And this is an excellent time to be doing that thinking right. and planning and imagining because we're not even in that space anymore. We can't even come right. to school at 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, then what do we do? Like, what? how do we actually, like, <laughs> create this different space but I think sort of leading with the idea of like school should be something that Mm. accesses joy and surprise and excitement and should be um something um should be a space that student people want to be in yeah (laughs) um leading with that and working you know, we have the opportunity now to like work collaboratively with our students to help create that Mm. this next year, you know, um, because no one's telling us what we have to do. We, I mean, a little bit they are, but there's so much more than we have ever had before. There's so so much more what I'm sorry, Miriam. Sorry. Flexibility. Flexibility. Than we've ever had in a school building. So leading with that as the goal and, and really thinking about like, what do we want to have happen? Yeah. If we want students to feel these things and we want students to create stuff and we want students to be 
passionate about it, then that's something we have to kind of imagine together, I think. Yeah, um, I love I love that you say work in collaboration with your students to to create it. Yeah, it's crucial. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, Casey, you and I had a a conversation on maybe it was a couple months ago and maybe it was the second in a year, but just about reimagining education in general. And you mentioned to me um, kind of letting go of the idea of you as teacher and student as student in Mm -hmm. such a strict way. (laughs) And maybe it's easier in, in uh, the art world to think that way, but um, Miriam talking about collaborating with the student made me think of that. Mm-hmm. Let's go pre-COVID for a second and then come back. What have um, both of you together or separately been working on as far as trying to reimagine the, the teaching and learning process? Well, I think we, we both, I mean, this is something we talk about like with each other and our coworkers and our students a lot. I think we both put a lot of, um, we try to put a lot of care into thinking about our classrooms as a community and, Mm. um, a community where everyone is important, um, which admittedly sometimes like falls apart and gets lost, (laughs) but especially in the beginning of the year. Um, Last year, we started the year with lots of like talking circles um, Mm. um, and really trying to put effort and energy into creating a space where everyone was important and where everyone had a voice um, and was valued. um, And also just kind of thinking about our classrooms as studio spaces where Mm. we all work in as opposed to a place where you go to like learn a lesson. Right. Um, And then the learning happens from us all being there together and working on things together. I often, while in the classroom, will be making things um, alongside them. And instead of, you know, standing up and showing them how to do something, instead just kind of working alongside them, moving around while doing it. And a lot of, learning happens that way, not only on their end, but on my end too, like just noticing the questions that they're asking or who's paying attention and who isn't, who wants to know more, who doesn't. It just gives a lot of insight without even needing to like think about it in a formal way, you know? Yeah. And to be honest, like, or to be frank, I I don't think that that really I know I'm not the only person that does. we all do that at Sen, but like, like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of art teachers are doing that. Is it radical? No, but is it's. I think it's important to just keep repeating some things that seem maybe small, but just to, to talk about them. Yeah, and there's a lot of pressure to create a more traditional educational space. Right. And Mm. students often also expect that like students walk in sometimes, oftentimes sort of as, you know, they've been conditioned to think like, fill me up. Right. Like I'm coming into space, like, what are you going to show me? And then I'm going to know it. (laughs) Right. And actually like, it's really a, 
it's just a, a more individual, like complicated process than that. And um, I think, you know, to fight that sort of like <laughs> um, desire to sort of like, I've showed up in this space and I'm here and you should be giving me the information and then I have the information and I'll know, know it. Like right. it's, it's hard to push up against that. Um, sometimes even with students. Yeah. That, that, so you're, you're challenging students to, to think about their own learning in a different way as well. Well, just, yeah, to show up and, Explore. but it's, it, I, I don't, and we don't like, blame them or get mad at them if they can't do that because they it's not their fault they haven't right. ever experienced that before maybe right and that is just more real like that is more reflective of the real world and that to like understand and learn something takes a lot of work and motivation and um shift like a willingness to kind of try stuff and shift mm-hmm. um and that's not what you know, that's not really what our education system teaches. Right. Well, it's I've personally done a lot of thinking about what and this isn't new either. But what if we weren't raised in a society that 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 expected us to choose? We're, we're taught that we're kind of trying to learn to get to some end. Yeah. As opposed to learning what are you what are you curious about and why and let's explore that and what techniques do i know that maybe you're you're unfamiliar with that i can help you you know or techniques that i i could share with you that would help you learn what you're you're curious about yeah and not to like and if you are curious about it today it doesn't mean that you have to be curious about it for the rest of your life right like it, it's like it's okay to love something and want to do something and be into it. And then it's okay to go away from it. I I think we, like you were saying this already, Calvin, but like, we want to like make sure that everybody just knows what they want to do right away. But that's just not real. (laughs) It's not. And and at least it's not, it's not for me. Maybe it is for some people. (laughs) And I, and when, you know, when we get to our age, I don't know how old y'all are, but I'm 37. So I'm approaching, 40. I'm middle-aged basically, but, um, <laughs> you know, the people in our, at our stage in life, I think, I think you might need to know how old I am. Sure. Yeah. Let, let me, how old are you? No, no, no. I'm just saying, cause you're my cousin. You should know how old I am. Oh, I think you're probably 39. No, well I was, but now I'm 40. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the second 39. half of your life. Um, well, I hope you live till you're 95. So maybe not, maybe, maybe you're still in the first half. <laughs> but and uh i guess i'm making an assumption that every adult does exploring and that's of that's not an assumption i should make but there's a lot of you know at least in the things that i read and i'm interested in the blo- there's one million blogs out there about like you know learning how to learn being better at learning maximize you know the the information that you take in and and how you use it and or not maximize, optimize, and become more efficient at learning. What, you know, what if we taught that? What if we started teaching that to kids way younger? You know, if we, if we, t- 
taught kids how to learn more efficiently. Or to, to that there is joy in learning without sure. like an endpoint, right? And sure. that, you know, that it's like a lifelong process um, that you get to engage with and get joy out of, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What were your childhood learning experiences like? Are there any moments that stick out as, as very positive or negative or something that led you, you know, to a, a new place or a, a new path of learning? Um, well, I had a really, um, I had a really like wonderful high school experience. Um, I was just lucky with school I was able to go to, um, I went to a public school, high school in Chicago, but it was a magnet school Hmm. um, called Northside um, and had some many incredible teachers. But one specific um, art teacher who um, definitely like led me um, on the path that I am now to be, you know, as an art teacher now um, and had a lot of these same ideas, right, of um, everything is, everything is art and everything is part of your practice as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, not just the thing that you are making in a classroom. Um, and definitely tried to take us into a lot of spaces outside of school as part of school. Um, like, the thrift store or like a restaurant or like, um, um, the beach, right. To, you know, kind of think about those spaces as learning spaces too, um, or spaces that, you know, you're like art making could come out of. And so a lot of like the ideas that I'm thinking about now and that we're talking about now as teachers kind of, definitely start with my experience as a student at that time for sure yeah that is lucky yeah to have that experience <laughs> very lucky um yeah well and that's me, uh that's a hard um i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead well it's a and i you know maybe this is too um, broad of a tangent too. I'm, I'm learning how to be an, uh, you know, a guide here, a conversation <laughs> guide. So, um, but that made, that just made me think of, um, just the, the massive disparities, you know, the, the luck, you know, where, where you're born, what sort of economic uh, situation you're born into and what's, what school you're able to go to can really impact, everything but certainly can impact how you feel about learning itself absolutely yes and even in my own family i have two siblings and they both had hated high school oh wow (laughs) we all went to different high schools um and so yeah i mean luck and but also just access and privilege you know like luck in terms of within one family access and privilege. And when you zoom out and think about like the city as a whole. Right. um, Well, I'm saying the luck part is, is you you don't choose when or to whom or where you are born. That's the luck. As far as a human being, a human being, it's just like you're born and then here you are. Yeah. And Casey, you, I remember when we were, we were kids and you were, you were very active in art in high school. 
I was just going to say, I've been thinking a lot about this. So I was really active in playing sports, but I, so I would say most of my time in high school was spent, um, on teams, mm. playing on teams, um, and always being like, um, for whatever reason, an active leader on those teams, even though I never thought that that was really like, I never felt like I was supposed to do that or that I was good enough at it or whatever. But, um, but I think that's still happening now. I feel like I'm a good, um, uh, I don't know, like glue person where I'm, I'm good at listening and can hear all sides and whatever. I, maybe I learned that through playing on teams. Um, but I really spent, and that was an access thing too. I mean, our high school, I don't remember anything really other than playing sports. I really don't remember any of my classes. I really don't remember any of my teachers. Um, I remember playing on teams, um, and being on buses a lot and going to practices all the time. Um, uh, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Well, it seems like, um, I mean, a team sport is, is constant, uh, collaboration. Yeah. And it's constant navigation too. It's like constantly trying to figure out like who's okay and who isn't okay. And, Mm. um, using, um, peripheral, peripheral vision. Like I remember like learning what that was, what that meant and how important a skill that was to have, um, in sports, but also in life and realizing, you know, or kind of being one step ahead or, um, not one step ahead, but maybe at the same step, but being able to see further along that step. Um, Hmm. and the, the awareness that sports, require physical awareness and you're saying one step you you're looking at the the larger goal and then everyone's place within that larger goal yeah which like is a lot to fucking handle i mean (laughs) it's a lot to do and um yeah so i felt like i learned more in high school from coaches and um teammates i guess yeah you start to see so-and-so's strengths and weaknesses and your strengths and weaknesses and utilizing everyone's to the advantage of the whole, which, yeah, I, I miss that. I mean, this conversation is the most collaboration I've had in five months. (laughs) It's good to have people to talk to about this. I mean, Miriam and I, I feel so thankful to have Miriam to talk to about this. Like I don't talk with anyone else really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it really matters. I mean, we, it's really, I feel like I am the best, I am my best self and version of myself as a collaborator. And um, it's really wonderful to find people you want to do that with. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I've been personally craving it. I've been like alone messing around with microphones for five, four months. And, uh, and although I do some of my best well, no, how would I even know? But I do a lot of ideation alone. I crave bouncing ideas around with someone else. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why I'm doing this. Um, I, um, I have a friend who just started writing on a TV show. Mm. And so they're like in a Zoom writer's room right now. Oh, wow. And they were saying to me the other day that like all the 
problems and hard parts of writing alone are just erased hmm. like yeah. when you're with you know 10 people and not only 10 people who are like there with you developing ideas and building off each other but like someone's also just writing down everything everyone is saying <laughs> <laughs> that no one forgets <laughs> and so just that there's so much possibility in coming together that was really impossible to do alone yeah and you know i so my my friend will willem terrace who's basically an unofficial consultant on this podcast but he's been my <laughs> sounding board i'd call him and say okay what do you think about this idea what do you think about th- this idea um because if you know because i do do that to my wife all the time and I, and sometimes i get self-conscious that maybe she's exhausted by it because <laughs> i'm a talker and i like to work ideas out out loud so anyway but will um will has been really great and i think part of the reason why i've following through with this podcast is because he was like, Hey man, that's a great idea. Don't box yourself in too much and just go see what happens. And that you need that. You need someone to even just say, sometimes you need someone to say, I don't know, here are all the awful things or the possible risks I see with that idea or here are all the, the great things about what you're, you're thinking about. Yeah, it's so helpful. Yeah, it really is. So, so that actually, I did want to want to ask you two about your collaboration and um, what about your arts, both separately and as collaborators? What's going on? Casey, do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so, I think something that I don't know we do a lot of thinking about. I do a lot of thinking about is. Um, I often find myself, I don't know, when the school year is going on, like getting all wrapped up in school and um, not feeling like I'm making anything, even though we're making lots of really amazing things all the time (laughs) Um, and having good conversations and coming up with ideas. But it feels like the summertime is a time to get like um, messy with things Mm. um, in a different way. So uh, most recently and something that I think we're both really excited about. I know I'm really excited about it as we started to experiment with screen printing in our basement. Um, so I, I don't know what it is about that process, but it's just so exciting (laughs) and, uh, satisfying. And, um, so it's kind of in the beginning stages of just playing around with the process, which come to find out is there's some like tricky things that you got to learn, especially when you don't have like all the right, you know, expensive materials, but it's definitely doable Mm. without them. And it's active. It's like, you're moving your body, you're, you know, um, it just feels really good to me. So I'm excited to learn more about it and just to keep going and just the prospect of, you know, it feels good to just like go downstairs and get dirty and then come back upstairs. Um, I don't know. So I, that's something that I'm excited about doing more of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to echo, like it is really challenging for me <laughs> during the school year to um, kind of like access my 
making practice, even mm. if it, I'm there doing it sprinkled into things a little bit. It's like not the same as being kind of alone in, in um, making universe. Sure. <laughs> um, and, and so what that kind of requires you to think differently about your practice, like that my practice sometimes is curriculum or my practice sometimes is something different than what it might normally look like. Um, but yeah, that the, during the summer is definitely like an opportunity to have a different kind of making rhythm. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, I think what's cool about doing this together in our basement is that like, I know that my brain, I mean, I know there are people who are really good at figuring things out mm. and I'm not one of those people. And so it's been really helpful to like have two brains kind of like figure out how to make this work in a very DIY cheap mm. way. Um, together and it's been fun yeah and just it's been fun to think about all of the possibilities of what can you know come out of that and the different kinds of making yeah um that maybe like i'm not doing um you know in my normal practice like can come out of having this new tool um so yeah yeah i love that and i love that it's a new tool i mean it you know I think of screen printing and I think of a shirt, but screen printing obviously be used in so many different ways. And what really strikes me about what you both said is that, that I can relate to as, as an artist as well. Although I'm, you know, I'm in like music, sound, prose, poetry, that kind of stuff. But, um, Mm -hmm. is that I realized earlier in the summer when really looking at art and why, why it was important to me and how it related to other goals of mine and how it could be intertwined. I realized that what I really love about writing a song is that it feels like learning. Like I have to figure out how to play this song that for some reason is softly within me, you know, like it's, it's almost tangible, but it's not. But I, every time I sit down at the piano and I am self-taught, so that's maybe part of it, I have to learn how to play better in order to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's huge with, well, you, you know, you both mentioned learning and learning a new technique and learning it together and being challenged by, by your own art project. Um, <laughs> and also um, it being a new tool and man, I lost the other, the other part of that. But anyway, you're creating your own path of learning. And creating like, that's a skill to like be brave enough. I think to create a chat, like a challenge for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been talking a little bit about like, um, one of these UIC talks that we listened to an artist that we both are fond of Alberto Aguilar um, talked about, and a lot of artists do this, but um, creating, creating rules for yourself in order to move forward, Mm. like setting yourself up with a task or a challenge in order to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, I mean, another question that we've been talking about with schools, like, 
well, then what happens if like, we're all just in charge of doing that for ourselves? Yeah. I mean, we have to take a lot of steps backward to, to teach how to do that, but I think that's the goal. Like, right. And it's easier to like muster or find that bravery with other people. Right. So what if the like school was to support that, like, school is a group of other people to collaborate with right so what if that what if that was just the purpose (laughs) right well you mentioned that that was the thing I couldn't think of Miriam you said practice and you kept saying you talked about your your art and your work as a practice and I think that's beautiful and uh and also (laughs) practical um yeah I think when you start to think about teaching that's freed me, I think, and both of us up a lot is like to think about it as a practice, to think about teaching as research. It's not an mm. end thing. You're not a, prof- I mean, you, I guess you're a professional. I don't, it's a profession, but like, it's it's just a every day is different. You if you you're fooling yourself if you think you know anything. Like it's right. it's you're just you. Ha- it's a practice. You're practicing, and when mm. you can when you can think about it like that, it's like freeing. It is. It, it, yeah. Yeah, there's opportunity for it to change and grow right. and for it to be bad. Yeah, and what else is the point? What 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 else really is there? Yeah. And all the structures, like there are all these structures in education to make us not think about it in that way. Like we must show that we are good enough or that we like... Progress. Eat. Yeah, and so it takes a lot of work to kind of push yourself to remember that sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it is an internal battle. Um, that's something that my friend Will kept saying. He said, you need to get out of the mindset of the actor who's preparing for a performance and you need to get out of the mindset of the restaurateur who has a soft opening and a hard opening, like get out of that mindset. It's a river this is a space for exploration. And he was talking about me talking to him about this, this podcast that we're doing right now, but you know, cause I had, and I still have, as we're doing this, like the, this imposter syndrome of who the hell do I think I am to do this? And I don't have the experience and I'm not, I'm definitely not good enough. And I, I would have to gain some sort of, you know, official formal degree or validation from someone else before being able to just begin. Why? You mm-hmm. were doing it right now and it's either going to suck or not. And who cares? We're trying it out. Right. And if you're thinking of yourself as a learner, then mm-hmm. you don't have to answer to any of those things. Right. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I'm learning right now that, you know, talking to you over Zoom, sometimes you get these weird like digital sounds and I'm going to have to work on that. <laughs> and it will be okay. Yeah. It'll be totally okay. <laughs> what else do you practice? I know Casey, you're really into hot yoga or yoga in general. What other practices are you either really into right now or do you think are really vital to your wellness? doesn't have to be physical wellness, but just you're getting, getting through a day in a better way. Well, pre-pandemic, <laughs> I, Casey and I go to the same hot yoga studio. Um, so, and that's something we kind of both used as a practice 
to sort of help with the stress and anxiety of teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we often like would go to a 4.30 class right after school and have this sort of like um, life-saving experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. <sighs> um, but well, Casey has been has done yoga maybe like a hundred and something days in a row. Oh, Do you wow. know I think it's probably closer to 200, now. 200 days in a row since um, the quarantine began. I... I do less yoga now since quarantine began, mostly because I just am having a hard time with that practice, not having access to the heat. I really, Mm. really miss it. Um, But instead I have been running a lot. um, In the heat. It's kind of serving a similar, um, uh, I don't know. It's serving a similar, uh, I don't can't think of the right word the need <laughs> desire um, for yeah. me right now. Um, but I still really miss um, I really miss hot yoga a lot. I still do the the I still do it, but not as often as I was before. What is the so I've never done I used to do yoga. Haven't done yoga in years. I've never done hot yoga. So what's it like and what is it um i mean i can imagine it taking to some taking yoga to some different level or different mental space not just physical space but i'd love to hear your experience with it do you want to talk Miriam, or um well i had done other kinds of yoga in the past um but i think for me the difference with hot yoga is that it's so intensely a meditation in a way that no other exercise has ever been for me Mm. before. Um, it's like an hour and a half and a 105 degree room, um, doing a series of the same movements in the same order. Um, and there's something, there's just a level of meditation, which, for me, kind of, it feel it's like out of mind. <laughs> I was going to say out of body, but I think it's more like an out of mind for me experience um, that I have never gotten from any other type of like exercise before. Hmm. I had done yoga some sort of before this, but never really seriously. And so we've both been going and, um, Adam, my partner, also goes to um, uh, for what two and a half years, I guess. In December, it'll be three years. Um, so it's new-ish, and people who are into this practice are like lifelong, as I guess with any other yoga practice. But people have been doing it for you know twenty years, thirty years, um, and just go every day. There's, there's, so. I don't know. I have so many things to say about this. It could be like another (laughs) uh, conversation, but I think part of the magic is in the actual studio that we go to. So, I mean, maybe it's like this in other studios, but I just feel like maybe not. Um, Hmm. The owner is amazing. It's like, there's all different types of people there from, you know, you know, college age students to people in their eighties. Um, all different types of bodies, um, big and small, you know, it's like athletes, um, mm-hmm. 
non-athletes, dancers, people who've never done it before, whatever. It just feels like it doesn't matter in there, um, mm. which is almost like the beach. So <laughs> maybe we need to bring this into the conversation, but it, it, it's a struggle. It's very hard. Um, it really is. And I've noticed that. So I've been doing it consistently throughout quarantine at home um, without the heat. And it's, it's the workout. And that's kind of what it is. It's a workout. But when you go into this hot room surrounded by these other people that are just sweating their asses off and struggling and some people can't breathe and they need to sit down and some people are going full force. It just, it's just a, like a, I don't know, a, a, like a bubble, a circle where it, you just really feel like people are working, but what they're working on is their body and, and really their mind. So can't remember what you said, Marie, and I was going to say something when you said it out of mind. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really is like full body. You're, you're just in your body and all you really can think about in order to like survive the class. Cause it's so hot is to, I'm lifting my foot up right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move my arm over here for me anyway. Like I have to just do that. If I start to like drift off, mm-hmm. I am lost and I lose my balance. Mm-hmm. So and that's really special and I love it and I'm addicted and that's mm. all I want to do every day, all day long. <laughs> I love it. We, maybe you should do that all day long, every day for the rest of your life. I could be very happy, I think. Hmm. I think maybe you might. <laughs> maybe yeah. I might. I'm already kind of doing it right now. Um, I, I really feel like it's kind of like being on another planet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to... And I've like, again, I've like, I've trained for like long races and stuff and you know had other types of extra and now even like I go running a lot but I none no other kind of like activity has ever made me feel so out of my away from my brain Hmm. or my mind it's it's really like a really special (laughs) practice and part of a lot of what they talk about is this is your fault. You got us talking about this. You can stop us whenever you want. No, that's good. Um, they talk a lot about um, the teachers and it's hard to do, but in between, in between the postures while you're like sweating, you know, sweat is dripping into your eyeballs and your ears. You want to like fidget, you know, left and right. You want to wipe the sweat away. Um, you want to pull up your pants cause they're falling a little bit down, but the, the challenge, like the real challenge is to, remain as possible, like as still as you possibly can be in between the postures, which is a part of the practice. Like that's, is equal. Mm. That's, 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 it's like like a dance routine or something like it. It's, um, so it's funny to not funny. It's interesting to, um, I feel kind of proud that I've gotten to a spot where I can actually do that, but it's, you can tell who beginners are when, they, sure. they can't do that. And it's really hard. It's really hard to remain still. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's an important skill to take out of the yoga studio. Yeah. The closest I've come to, I practice mindfulness meditation. So I sit in complete stillness and silence, either eyes closed or open, but usually closed for me. But, um, and it, it, there's a similar, at least it sounds similar to me. Um, there's a similar challenge, which is, you know, accepting 
whatever it is and paying attention to it. So, you know, if it's sweat dripping down, the sweat dripping down can be an object of your attention, an object of your, your meditation, as opposed to a thing that should be changed. Right away. Yeah. Um, but I'm imagining that with intense heat and repeated poses, and I could see very much getting in, you're getting out of one's mind and into some sort of, or onto some sort of other planet. I've definitely ended up in some, on some weird planets from, just from (laughs) mindfulness meditation, like insane. Um, And then the challenge is not to attempt to get back there the next time, Mm. which is really hard. Like, um, the guide that I use always says, you know, is this good enough? Like just what, what is right now? Is it, can this be good enough? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to, are you trying to get somewhere or right. are you just doing the practice? That's mm-hmm. the challenge. I've always been scared of hot yoga personally. <laughs> I don't know why. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. I'll have to I try was intimidated it. before I did it, but now I love it. <laughs> Oh, maybe someday you two can build um, a little a little place on the beach and have a structure that's heated and or just move somewhere that's really hot and humid all the time and do yoga on the beach. I would say, I would say yes to that. <laughs> you know, Casey, there are obviously, I mean, there are people that dedicate their entire existence to practices like these. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen, maybe. I have a feeling someday. Have you ever heard of the Buddha? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got him on the keychain. I I say go for it. Screw it. But you're kind of utilizing this lockdown phase as kind of a deeper entrenchment into the practice, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it saved my life. Yeah, you both have said that. Apparently, teaching is very stressful. It is. It really is. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, lots of people know this because lots of people are teachers, but it's all consuming and, um, yeah. And also, it's just we're, we are put into a position to do so many jobs that are just, Mm. that are not just teaching. Um, And, it it's it's hard (laughs) it's really intense and hard um and it's also work that like doesn't ever stop it's constant um so it's really really helpful to have something that allows you to sort of like step out of that or forces you to like step out of that and be in a very different kind of space Hmm. yeah did you two meet um, at Sen? Um, no, actually. Sort of, but we weren't there at the same time. Yeah. Um, oh. We went to the same grad school program, but different years. Um, so we weren't there at the same time. I think the first time we were ever in a room together, Casey, was when you came to present 
your thesis to my class in grad school. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't really remember at all. <laughs> all I remember is that you were very nervous. And I had already, I like had already read your thesis. Like I knew you through your, your writing uh-huh. because it was, um, because it was like a great <laughs> example that our, our professor shared with us. Um, and uh, you presented and, and that was the first time I met you, <laughs> except uh-huh. I don't think we even spoke to each other, but um, we also ended up both te- student teaching at the same school with the same teacher who's now our colleague and friend. Um, and we're kind of in a, wonderful stroke of luck like both hired at sen um at the the same year oh um, wow okay come back to to post student teaching um and that's how yeah that's how we know each other and then you ended up living in the same building yeah so we lived in logan we both lived in logan square at that time different buildings (laughs) different buildings um I, we, but we would carpool to, um, Sen and then Miriam and her not yet husband, but now husband, right. Um, moved here where we are now. Um, I don't know how far into that. Was it the first year? It was the first year. It was the November, I think, or just November, December of our first year teaching at Sen, full first full year teaching at Sen. And so they moved here and then I still lived in Logan Square and then um what happened? An apartment opened up <laughs> in the building and um I saw the lake and then we moved in. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, yeah, but it was pretty cool how that happened. And you know what? It's awesome. Like it's the best. She lives on the first floor. I live on the third floor. We throw things out of the window to talk to each other. I love um, it. It's good. It's really lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good to have. You know, my uh, wife's sister just moved into the apartment below us uh, with really? her boyfriend. So Sophie has her sister now, one floor down, wow. and we have we have a backyard we can share. So they. You know, we can hang out safely at a distance back there. And our cousin Chelsea, Casey, mm. lives on the first floor. Yeah. And it really makes a difference to... You know, it's so important. It really I'm is. So, it's my life goal to kind of keep building on that. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did a... Before COVID, I was doing a lot of thinking about you know, city living and not knowing our neighbors. And I started trying to say hi more to, to neighbors (laughs) on the street. It was a a goal. And then when, then when lockdown happened, it became super salient. And I even more so was like, I had to introduce myself to the neighbors once we can walk outside again. Um, but I, I do think, and I'm not an expert on anything, but you know, there's enough evolutionary biology out there to, to tell us that we were meant to live in small, close-knit communities. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in that. My sister also lives a block away. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's really another important part of my life. 
Yeah, it's huge. I'm ready to, you know, move to the country and start a, a commune personally with my family and maybe some friends. I'm not yeah. really joking. I just have to convince Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is hard. I think it's kind of, I don't know what track I'm getting on, but man, it's hard for me to appreciate city living in this environment. It's like, why do, why do I live in a city again? I can't remember. You know, I just want to be with water and trees. Come to the beach. Yeah. Come to the Gardens Park. I would love to come to the beach. Maybe that's all you need to do. <laughs> all right, cool. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. It's five minutes to beach time. Oh, yeah. Yep. We got to go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, you too thank you hopefully I can join you on your beach sometime in the near yes, future <laughs> alright good night thanks Helen. thank you bye bye Irregular People is a production of Once Upon a Wessler this episode was produced engineered and edited by me Calvin Marty it's a one-man production for now out of an apartment in Chicago, but um, eventually I'd like to get some others involved so things can can move a little faster. And if you'd like to support the show, you'll be able to do so very soon on our website, www.irregularpeople.show and through Patreon. And by doing so, you'll get access to bonus episodes and live streams, etc. So stay tuned for that. Also on the website is more info about today's guests, their work, about me, and about what Irregular People hopes to be and become. So check it out at irregularpeople.show. Also, Casey and Miriam did a really great presentation with Gallery 400 and UIC in August, and you can find a link to it on our site. It's really beautiful, really moving. So check that out too. If you'd like to contact me with questions, comments, or to leave a voicemail, you can do so by sending me an email at listen at irregularpeople.show. If you want to leave me a voicemail, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to the same email address, listen at irregularpeople.show. And you might just hear it on a future episode. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Keep listening. And I'll see you next time on Irregular People. Hello, Casey? Hi. 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 Hi, both of you. Hi, Miriam. Hello? Y'all are on the beach? Yeah, yeah can you hear it? It's really loud. Oh. That's nice. <laughs> um, I forgot to ask you each a very important question, which is, what is your favorite color? <laughs> um... Casey, you, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I would have to say, I mean, I, I think that is a question I don't really have a a serious answer to, but I would say recently I'm very into neons. Ooh, <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, I love neons. Neons as a color. Neon. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, Casey, what's your favorite color? I am going to say the color turquoise. Turquoise? So it has to be like a, a specific kind of turquoise. What is it? You know it? what I mean? <laughs> um, I don't know how to explain it really, but um, it's not too green and it's not too blue. Would you say it's dull? 
Uh, it could be dull. <laughs> it could be dull, but it also could be bright. It's kind of a complicated turquoise, but it, it's turquoise. Okay. That's Com- the color. <laughs> I think complicated turquoise is a great name for it. Um, right. Thanks, yeah, thank you. Um, enjoy your day, and um, yeah, hopefully this podcast will be out soon. Okay, awesome. Bye. All right, thank you both. Bye, Cal. Okay, bye.